Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumpy Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC in Washington, D.C., Overeem versus Roizenstrike, which is an exciting heavyweight matchup. But as those of you who frequent the show know, we will not be talking about that matchup or any of the matchups on the main card. And that's because this is the prelim primer. We are here to give you a preliminary card breakdown. And for those of you who are new to the show and are probably wondering why just the prelims, why not talk about the fights that are exciting and towards the top of the card? The answer is quite simple, is that we know you probably already have a place where you look for your your main card breakdown. We also know that there's a lot of money to be made on the prelim portion of the card, either in gambling or possibly in daily fantasy sports. There's a lot of hidden gems out there, and we are here to bring those to you. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, I would be remiss if I did not mention that this show is exclusively brought to you by BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is changing the way you play daily fantasy sports by eliminating those pesky salary caps and getting rid of that arbitrary scoring. You know, you're probably sick of losing at daily fantasy sports because your guy didn't land enough strikes before he landed his big KO, or maybe he got a submission late after only one takedown instead of three takedowns like somebody else's guy instead at bsmma.com they are only interested in picking five winners the methods of which they win and the rounds in which they win and then you can watch the the point totals rack up and right now they have both free and paid games going on for washington dc so head on over to bsmma.com get into both of those right now and to help you out with those picks over on bsmma.com i am joined again by a very knowledgeable co-host joining me today from fanside and mma and my mma news Kristen King. Kristen, thanks for joining me. Thank you guys so much for having me back. Absolutely. Now, as you guys know, to get started, we're going to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Rob Font versus Ricky Simon. So Font is 2-1 and one in his last three. He knocked out Thomas Almeida, lost to Rafael Asuncao, and then had a decision victory over Sergio Pettis. Simon, 3-1 and one in the UFC after beating Mirab Dvalishvili, Montel Jackson, and Ronnie Yeya. He got absolutely flatlined really fast by Uriah Faber. So Simon seemed like he was on a top-tier trajectory here. How much does that loss to... to like a laid off Uriah Faber worry you about him? Uh, it's definitely concerning. It's not so bad, but for that to happen against hot bantamweights in the division right now, definitely set him back a little bit. So I'm expecting him to come out with a different kind of intensity intensity against someone like Rob Font and Rob Font is definitely going to bring that good fight. Absolutely. And here's a question too, you know, obviously Ricky Simon got, got knocked out by Uriah Faber, who who doesn't necessarily have the heaviest hands in history. Are you worried about Rob Font's hands against Ricky Simon? Um, Not too much. I think I have a little bit of faith in Rob Font because I think he's a super aggressive striker anyway. So maybe it's not so much about the intensity of his hands, but p- perhaps the volume that he could bring to this fight. Um, Ricky Simon is just as great of a striker, so... I mean, I'm expecting some stuff to be up on the feet, but you also have to remember that they are both really, really good on the ground, especially Ricky Simon. I mean, he's a pretty solid wrestler. So if things go from bad to worse for him, he can always take things to the ground. And we'll see how Rob Font deals with that. But I'm expecting this fight to remain on the feet, and it could be either one's man or either man's game at that point. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a really, at least a lot closer of a fight than some people are leading it on to be. It's interesting to think about Simon being the, the aggressive wrestler there, too, because I think Font has a fair amount of takedowns in his game, too. Do you think there's any chance he tries to take it to the ground? You know what? I'm not entirely sure because I think Rob Font really does excel on the feet. I mean, he has great head movement and he throws those combinations and they're absolutely beautiful. So if he can control the distance, he can throw those combinations against someone like Ricky Simon. That might be a good uh, that might be a good indicator of how the fight may go. And especially considering that Ricky Simon is coming off of a knockout, perhaps Rob Font tries to uh, recreate the game plan of Uriah Faber, but just in the way that he would typically do it. So We'll have to see with this one. You're definitely right when you say it's a really close one. I can't even pick a winner for this one. All right. Well, I am going to force you to try to pick. If you have to lean one way, I'll lead you into this one. I'm going to take Rob Font, and I think he gets it done uh, by knockout. Maybe when Ricky Simon shoots a takedown, maybe one of those uppercuts that he throws so well. Um, So I'm going to go with Font by probably late knockout. How about you? Okay. You know what? I'm going to follow you then. I'm going to say that's going to be third round TKO by Rob Font. All right, there you go. And now we're going to move on to the next fight, which is Tiago Alves versus Tim Means. Alves, his one win in his last four fights, that's a win over Max Griffin. He has losses in there to Curtis Millender, Alexei Kunchenko, and Loriano Staropoli. Uh, Tim Means also only one win in his last four. He beat Ricky Rainey, but he has losses to Bilal Muhammad, Sergio Marias, and Nico Price. The first two of those losses were split decisions. Now, both of these two guys seem to be one fight away from probably a release, which is sad because, you know, they've both been in the UFC for so long. Which do you see who has more positives in their recent setbacks that might give you a, more of a positive outlook in this fight? You know what? I would think that Tiago Alves has a little bit more uh, of a positive outlook in his fights because, yes, he did have those close fights against um, Laureano Staropoli. But he still showed some good signs of promise, especially because he's become a much more technical striker uh, in the last couple of years. Because remember, when Tiago Alves first got there, he was nothing. He was known as a, as a knockout artist, and he still has that power. But I think because he has really developed his Muay Thai game, he mixes in his kicks very, very well. So that is enough to get any opponent to stop and think, hey, is Tiago Alves going to kick me? And if so, what should I do? And those kicks are very, very hard it can slow anybody down so at his age at this stage in the game for him to even develop that kind of uh that game plan for anybody is a problem so I think it might look better for Tiago Alves that's interesting too because obviously Tim Means is one of the taller guys in the division too which means you know he's got one of the longer reaches his reach is listed at 75 inches which is pretty big for a guy at 170 pounds do you think there's a high probability here that that Tiago Alves can even reach him with the leg kicks? That's what my concern was when I was looking over this fight. I said, I don't know if he'll be able to reach him with those leg kicks. But you know what? He is the shortier, the shortier, the shorter guy. <laughs> he is the shorter guy in the fight. And if he can just close the distance between him and Tim Means, maybe he can get those leg kicks off. But you're right about Tim Means, man. He is very, he's a taller guy. He's a ranger fighter. And he's pretty durable. I mean, we've seen things thrown at Tim Means that could knock anybody out or could stop anyone. And he just keeps coming at you. So I think it depends on what Tiago does to get inside. If he cannot get inside and he fights on the outside, that's a bad night for Tiago Alves. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me too. And, and in looking over the, the stats from some of Tim Means' previous fights, that last fight with Nico Price, which was a pretty crazy knockout, he did absorb 
eight out of the ten leg strikes that that Nico Price threw at him in the first round, which means he's not doing a great job at checking him. And, and for that reason, I'm sort of leaning here with going with Tiago Alves. I'm probably going to say by decision, because for some reason I don't think he can get Tim Means out there. Means is a notoriously tough person to get out of there. How about you? Yeah, no, I can see Tiago Alves definitely winning by decision, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a knockout. I know that they're both coming towards, I don't want to say the end of their careers, but they are very much slowing down in their careers. And I think, was the Nico Price? No, that wasn't the first knockout. Um, I think Tim Means has been in trouble and Alves still has that power. I'm just not sure if I want to write that off just yet. Alves can definitely turn the lights off on anybody. And I know Tim Means is a super durable fighter, but it could be his night to be knocked out. So I'm going to go with Thiago Alves by decision, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of stoppage. All right, there you guys have it. That's going to do it for the end of the first round. We're in agreements for both of the first two fights, and we'll see what's up in round two after a quick word from our sponsors. Look, the best part about playing daily fantasy sports is beating your friends. Okay, you put on the UFC card on the big TV in your living room. You invite all your friends over. You get them all involved in a daily fantasy contest. You watch them pay you money while it's going on. BSMMA.com has got a fully customizable create-a-contest option that allows you to set up the perfect contest for you and your friends. You can pick payout structures, wager amounts. You can pick how big you want the prize pool to be, how many people you want in it. It's customizable, so head on over there, check out all the features it's got, get all your friends in on it today. Now, back for round number two. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to talk about, we're going to start this round by talking about Bryce Mitchell versus Matt Salis. So, Mitchell 2-0 with decisions over Tyler Diamond and Bobby Moffitt and since he's made it to the UFC. Salis 1-1 one one in the UFC with a loss to Shaman Marias in his debut. Followed that up with an arm triangle victory over Kyle Nelson back in May. Now these two are guys who are not particularly gifted in offensive wrestling. But I feel like once they get to the grappling department are crazy exciting. Whose submission game do you think is better here? Um, you know what? I'm just slightly leaning towards Bryce Mitchell. I think that we've all come to know what his style is. I mean, he has a pretty submission-heavy style. So once he gets to the ground, you can always look for him to throw something. And and same with Matt Sales. I, I really do like his approach on the ground as well. But you but you also have to realize he has some pretty good takedown defense. So even as much as Bryce Mitchell may want to get the fight to the ground, I don't know if Matt Sales is going to allow that. And then you have to couple that in with the fact that he has an incredible right hand. I mean, when Matt sales touches you it could be a problem for you so and and Bryce Mitchell is not all too uh um, experienced in the striking we've seen him Mm -hmm. have a little bit of of struggles here and there and that's why he's excels so much on the ground so if he can only have that as an outlet to win the fight against someone like Matt sales I don't know if that's going to be enough yeah and do you think it is going to be one of those ones where the wrestling completely negates itself and we don't see any grappling you know what? It could be like that. Um, I just think it won't be easy for Bryce to get the fight on the ground because Matt Sales is probably not going to allow that. So if it is forced to stay up, my pick would have to be for Matt Sales. I mean, Bryce has struggled. And if he hasn't fixed those holes just yet, he's going to have a probably bad night. Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you on that one, too. And it sort of depends for me 
on what Sales decides to do. Because Sales, I don't know if you know this, Sales has gotten zero takedowns in his UFC career. I believe he shot six of them and hasn't succeeded on a single one. So, like, I, I don't expect him to go for the takedown. But the question is, is, like, is he willing to engage in a grappling, you know, a, the grappling discussion, so to speak, with Bryce Mitchell? I don't think he is, but for some reason, I think Mitchell creates a good enough scramble here to maybe mount some grappling offense. What It sounds like you're reading sales. Uh, what's your official prediction for me? Yeah, I'm going to go with sales. Um, I don't know how definitive it'll be. I'm going to say Matt sales by decision. Um, I just expect maybe it'll go to the ground. I, I'm not entirely sure. And if it does, if, if Bryce is able to slap on one of his patented submissions at this point, it, it, that could be, you know, a, a great outcome for it but i'm not entirely sure it's going to be as easy as many predict so i'm gonna say matt sales by decision all right and i'm gonna differ with you on this one i am gonna go with bryce mitchell i'm gonna say he wins a decision here but like you said a razor close decision um let's move on to a fight that's probably not razor close and that's joe selecki who's making his ufc debut he's eight and two he beat james wallace on the contender series by guillotine he's gonna be fighting handsome matt wyman who debuted at ufc 60 that's right ufc 60 um he's he returned from a nearly five-year-long layoff he got absolutely decimated by Luis Pena. Um, so Wyman obviously did not look the part in his comeback fight. Is there any hope that he looks better here against Selecki, or is this sort of a foregone conclusion? I, You know what? I'd have to agree with you. I feel like it is a foregone conclusion. I know he had that long layoff, and he had a fight against someone who is as explosive as Luis Pena, and we obviously saw how that played out. I mean, at the end of the day, Wyman still has his bread and butter, which is his wrestling. And he could do some very, very good, bad things on the ground, especially with his ground and pound. That's phenomenal as always. But you know what? Joe Selecki is also solid on the ground. I wouldn't want to be a slouch around someone like Selecki. So it, it, it's a for me, it's not close. But the way that it could probably unravel on the ground, depending on either guy's approach, um, I don't know. It, to me, that's just a toss up. If it were to be solely contested on the ground, it could be Matt Wyman's day. It could be Joe Selecki's day. But I, I'm inclined to lean more towards Joe Selecki just because he's the younger, fresher fighter. And we've already seen Matt Wyman get put through a lot in his mm -hmm. last fight. And I know he's trying to have this comeback, but I just don't see it happening the way that he does. Yeah, I, I would say in this instance, like you said, if, if it winds up being a more wrestle heavy or grappling heavy uh, contest, I, I think Wyman winning a round would be a huge victory for him. And, and it's sort of sad <laughs> to say that at this point of his career, but like, you know, you, you don't expect a guy who's that much older with that long of a layoff to have a good day against the guy who's coming in off the contender series and look damn impressive. And he's got a good guillotine. So like if Wyman mm -hmm. does decide to, you know, go to the grappling to, to try to take him down, like, does he just get caught on the way in there? So I, I'm going to go with Selecki. I think Selecki probably TKOs him late in the fight when, when Wyman begins to tire. How about you? You know what? I'm going to say Selecki by submission. I wouldn't be surprised if that were to happen. That exact scenario where he probably, where Matt Wyman shoots in, he gets caught in a guillotine because a lot of people say that, oh, it's as a veteran, you shouldn't be making those mistakes. But against someone like Selecki with a decent guillotine, that mistake could be capitalized on. You never know. So I'm going to say Selecki by third round submission. All right. There you have it. We'll be right back with round number three in just a moment. So we already talked about how on BSMMA.com they are only worried about finding the person who knows fights the best 
and allowing them to win, right? We don't have to worry about those arbitrary scoring systems or picking fighters that we don't actually believe in because they've got a, a low salary or something like that. So they also want to reward the people who know how the fights will look. So for instance, if you think there's going to be a lot of takedowns, they've got a bonus that you can put on. It's called the Slater bonus, named after AC Slater. You put the AC Slater bonus, you get a couple extra points for every single takedown your fighter gets. So if you're really good at predicting not only who's going to win fights, but how those fights are going to go, you're knowledgeable about them, you're going to win over at bsma.com. So I highly suggest heading on over, familiarizing yourself with those bonuses, and get winning today. And we are back with round number three. This time we got three fights to talk about, so we'll do them a little extra quick. We're going to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Trevor Smith versus Mahmoud Muradov. So Trevor Smith was originally supposed to fade Alonzo Menafield in this fight. He hasn't won a fight in two and a half years, which was back when he decisioned Chris Camozzi. He followed that up with losses to Elias Theodoru and Zach Cummins. Uh, Muradov, 1-0 in the UFC. He beat Alessio DiCirico in his debut by a close decision. Uh, Muradov obviously comes in highly touted here, but he looked a little bit shaky in his debut. Do you think he's actually that shaky starter that we saw in the last fight? Or do you think that was probably just octagon jitters? No, that was probably definitely uh, uh, octagon jitters. Because I know he's been fighting for quite a while. And just to be able to get to this point, um, even the most solid person or solid fighter would have a little bit of nerves here and there. So I think that's what it was. And I think perhaps there was a lot more pressure coming in in the fight as well because he is the uh, only MMA fighter signed to the money team, which is underneath Floyd Mayweather, obviously. And that could come with a lot of pressure considering how he's done in like the regional scene. He has these crazy knockouts. He does these, you know, insane things. And I think maybe that's what people were expecting of him in his first fight. But against someone like Alessio DiCirico, who's a tough guy, I mean, you know, it's hard to kind of, capture that in your very first fight under the UFC so I think that was more octagon jitters and a little bit of pressure on him that's why he performed in the way that he does but I hope that's not uh an inclination of what he does in the UFC because he's a very exciting fighter absolutely and, and you know you mentioned jitters in there for being the only guy under you know the team money team but also in addition to that he's the only Uzbek fighter in the UFC right now if I'm not mistaken mm -hmm. too so a extra pressure on that to represent his country I, I think you're right I think he's got all the power in his hands he's taken a sort of a step back so to speak by fighting Trevor Smith instead of Alessio DiCirico I, I think we probably get to see one of those crazy highlight knockouts here from Muradov and uh he, he finally makes us uh he finally realizes what exactly he's going to be in the UFC. How about you? Yeah, exactly. And I think it is a step down only to showcase what it is that everyone's been expecting. Obviously, they want to see one of these wild knockouts. So because they didn't get that in their very first fight, they're going to match him up against someone like Trevor Smith, who is a veteran. But he has not been doing so hot as of late. I believe he's like one in three in his last four fights. And um, he has decent stand up. He's a solid wrestler. Obviously, if the fight were to get down to that, maybe it could be a problem for Meridov. But I just don't see that happening. I, I, I see Meridov as the overall better striker. I mean, he's much more exciting and he'll definitely come forward. And once you're hurt, he knows you're hurt and he's going for it. So for me in this fight, I would have to pick Meridov maybe by first round knockout. Yeah, I'm going to go first round knockout too. And that's going to bring us to our second fight, which is Mirna Jandaroba versus Mallory Martin, who was originally supposed to be Lavia Renata Souza and then going to be Courtney Casey. They were obviously both hurt in the lead up to the fight. Now, Jandaroba 0-1 in the UFC. She debuted against Carla Esparza, which is certainly not an easy debut. Mallory Martin, <laughs> she's 
she's got a 6-2 record. She's making her UFC debut. Of course, we saw her on the Contender Series recently. Then she didn't get a contract, had to go to Invicta, uh, where she won one more fight, and then got the short-notice call here. The, these are two women who really love to grapple. Do you expect it to go there? And if it does, uh, who do you expect to have the advantage? So this is 100% going to the ground. I think both women pretty much excel right there. But someone as strong as Mallory Martin and who has no problem sitting on top of you and just laying waste to whatever you have, I feel like she has more of the advantage. Not only is she coming in here on short notice, she doesn't have too much pressure on her at this point. We've already seen what she can do on Contender Series, but she essentially mauls the women that she gets on top of. I I can't remember if that was a fight in Invicta where she's literally talking Mm -hmm. to her opponent while she is just landing these strikes and these elbows. And for someone like uh, Jandarova, we saw her, she is very good on the ground, but we saw her against a very, very tough wrestler in Carla Esparza, and you saw how much she struggled with that. So if someone like Mallory Martin can recreate that game plan and just hold uh, Jandarova down, she's not going to get up, and that's going to be a problem, you know, and that's going to be a very big problem. So for me, I would have to lean towards Mallory Martin in this one. I think she's just really mean, really nasty on the ground, and if Jandarova can't find her way back up, or find a submission, which I doubt she'll be able to get, uh, my pick is going to be for Mallory Martin. Yeah, I sort of agree with you on this one, too. And I actually think she's a worse wrestling matchup for Jandaroba than Carla Esparza was. Because mm-hmm. Jandaroba stuffed a couple of Esparza's, like, double-leg attempts against the cage. Right. Mallory Martin's got way more trips in what she mm-hmm. does. She'll grab a single, she'll trip the opposite leg. She's got inside trips and outside trips in addition to that with, like, high body locks and stuff like that. So I think she's a much more exciting wrestler for that reason and a worse matchup for Jandaroba. Jandaroba definitely could probably sub her off of her back, but but you're right, Mallory Martin, she's got a really good leg ride, which protects her from submissions and keeps her in a half guard. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Martin here by decision. How about you? That's going to be my pick, too. All right, and then that's going to bring us to our last fight, which is Billy Quantarillo versus Jacob Kilbrun. Both of these guys making their debut. Quantarillo at 12-2. He beat Camuela Kirk by KO on the Contender Series back in July. Kilburn lost on the Contender Series to the aforementioned Bobby Moffat by Darius Choke, but then he got two straight violent KO finishes Mm -hmm. uh, for the promotion Island Fights. Uh, Obviously, one guy has got explosive KO power here, and the other one is really, really durable. At least he showed it on the Contender Series. Which of those two styles do you favor in this one? I am slightly inclined to favor the style of Jacob Kilburn because he is very explosive. He starts off very fast, which is something that Billy Quarantillo does not do. Billy Quarantillo is admittedly a slow starter, which can be a problem against someone like Jacob Kilburn, who obviously has incredible knockout power and incredible explosiveness in a fight. So if Billy thinks that waiting a little bit and seeing what uh, Jacob is going to do is going to be a helpful thing. I have news for you. It will not be helpful because <laughs> Jacob Kilburn is coming at you and he's coming at you with knockout power. And what's crazy is both of these men are very good on the ground. They have excellent Brazilian jujitsu, but with someone like Jacob Kilburn, who he has fallen in love with his hands. And normally that's a problem, especially considering if your Brazilian jujitsu is great, that would be something you rely on. But he's fallen in love with his hands. And the only reason I don't have a problem with that is because he's knocking people out. Mm -hmm. He's knocking people out left and right. And you know what? That's fine with me. So um, I feel like Kilburn is going to be the one to uh, maybe stop the really durable uh, Quarantillo. I I know that Quarantillo definitely has the speed. He can have knockout power. But I just don't see how that's going to overwhelm someone like Jacob Kilburn. 
Yeah, I agree with you, too. And the other thing that makes me leave Kilburn, too, is he's not one of those guys who just has KO power, like, early right. in the first, or he, that he tires out. Quantarillo is a guy who's good at outlasting his opponents. That's what he did mm -hmm. with Kim Kirk. I don't think he's going to outlast Kilburn because Kilburn's been knocking people out. You know, one of those, you know, really violent knockouts came in the second round. You know, he's got knockouts later rounds all the time. So, yeah, I think he's got the knockout power too often. I think Quantarillo is a guy who, you know, gives one to take one sometimes, and, and that could be dangerous. So, yeah, I'm going with Jehu Kilburn. I'm going to say second round knockout. How about you? You know what? I'm going to say second round knockout as well. All right, well, there you guys have it. Those are all seven fights on the prelims of UFC in Washington, D.C. I want to thank my co-host, Kristen King, for coming on. Kristen, thanks so much for the time. Thank you guys so much for having me again. Can't wait to do it for a third time.